Welcome to the COVID Lexington podcast, timely conversations highlighting local community leaders and experts to keep you informed during the COVID-19 era. We plan to present insights to help you thrive and opportunities to help your neighbors and communities, all brought to you from a safe social distance from our homes across Lexington, Kentucky. Hello, Lexington. Uh, back again, Cameron Hamilton, partner and financial advocate at Ballast. And today I'm super excited. I have one of my uh, longest running friendships, uh, my friend Tyler Jury here. Uh, Tyler, we've known each other, you know, 15 years plus, uh, going back to uh, middle school in Elizabethtown. And I'm just so excited to have you on. So you're being gracious with your time joining me today because you're one of the business, busiest people in Kentucky right now. Uh, so what what is going on new with you that has you so busy the last couple of weeks? Yeah, well, Cam, thanks for having me, man. So day to day, I'm a dentist. Uh, when I'm not dentisting and working on teeth, I'm a co-owner of a leather goods company called Clayton and Croom here in Louisville. Uh, what we did is a couple of weeks ago when we had shut down our shop, laid off some of our employees and just tried to wait it out like everyone else. Uh, my business partner, Clay, and I showed up in our shop. Uh, decided to do something with our machinery and equipment to make a difference, bought enough materials and supplies to make a thousand medical face shields, uh, some PPE to donate to local hospitals. And uh, a couple days later, we, we had an order from the state of Kentucky asking for a half million of these. So we currently have production going 16 hours a day. We've hired uh, 180 people in the last two weeks. Uh, a lot of people that were laid off and lost their jobs in the restaurant industry um, college students that are back home with nothing to do. And so, uh, we're in the process of making face shields, uh, tens of thousands per day. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I think it's just so cool how in all these different little ways, the community is coming together right now. And we had kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago as, as this was an idea just in Genesis. And it really seemed like, like a lot of business owners, you were at risk of just sitting on your thumbs and you know trying to batten down the hatches financially but it, it really just came it sounds like from some relationships with people you had that just needed something small right mm -hmm. yeah so what we did is we got in the shop on a monday morning uh, we bought some materials started prototyping sent those out to some nurses physicians hospital administrators that we knew uh, throughout the state and just ask who needed donations since we already had a thousand of these that we were making and they were all claimed uh, extremely quickly. And I think uh, one thing led to another that got passed around. And then we started getting inquiries from all over asking what our ability was to be able to provide these since obviously uh, it's a time of need across the board. Yeah, I think it's also cool how things have been able to happen so quickly uh, because everyone's attention is on this problem. Uh, so you, you all started with an idea in your shop and you were prototyping. And then it wasn't too long before you were being mentioned in Governor Bashir's daily press conference. So, so how, how long did that take and kind of what was the ramp up in, in between there? Yeah, I kind of need to pull up my calendar just to give you some frame of reference here. But I mean, we, we, started, uh, we started on a Monday morning prototyping. Uh, by Wednesday, we had committed to um, that order. That was, what day was that, March? 16th or 23rd somewhere around there and one of those Mondays and then uh, you know by that Friday we had all the materials in place uh, and secured 
the raw materials to be able to produce this order. And so uh, after that, that first weekend, we went out and looked at commercial spaces, signed a short-term lease, um, and then ordered all the things we needed to do to set up shop and start creating a workspace. I mean, that was one of the big considerations on the front end is how do we get this many people to work to create something that's essential during this time while also making sure the workers are safe and they have the proper PPE and distancing in place. So, uh, I mean, it was one week from the time we made a prototype to, you know, getting our shop set up and, and started rolling. And now we're three weeks in and we've made over a quarter of a million face shields in just 14 to 16 days of production. And if you look at what we were doing the first five days versus what we did yesterday, our efficiency is nearly doubled. So we're continuing to improve our process and get better each and every day. Yeah, and if I know you, I'm sure it'll be doubled, you know, a week and 10 days out. You're, you're always somebody that's you know, kind of looking to improve. And I know you're an idea guy and a go-getter. Uh, you kind of have an entrepreneurial history. I, I know that you know when you were preteen, you were going and growing vegetables on your granddad's farm and then selling them on the street corner, and you always had that hustle to you. But it's obvious that you have very quickly built a team around this. You know, you guys aren't doing this by yourself. You, know, what are all right. these relationships you tried to have to make to to make something like this happen so quickly? Sure. I mean, that's been across the board. I think you know, first and foremost. We've been in the leather goods business for eight years and having a company that's nearly doubled in scale every year for eight years in a row uh, is has created and presented some challenges along the way. And with what we do, we're in the retail sector. So we're used to uh, doing nearly 60, 70 percent of our revenue the last six weeks of the year right before Christmas. So we've built a team that's been with us for years now to understand how to operate under those conditions. So a strong surge at the end of the year, a lot of demand in a short period of time, uh, and everybody knows how to handle that and, and what it requires to accomplish a lot in a short amount of time. So uh, yeah, certainly we have a team that's allowed that to happen. I mean, uh, we've got two people solely dedicated to the hiring and, and HR side of this. They've been the ones recruiting and bringing people in and doing the paperwork and working with our lawyers on the proper. Um, handbooks. And like I said, there's a lot of considerations working during this period of time. So uh, we've got a great team that, that's helped us do that. Uh, and it's been a journey. <laughs> you know, it's something new every day. Uh, we've also been working closely with manufacturing partners and uh, sourcing. It. And so every day has been different for me. I've learned more about plastic and foam and elastic and knot tying and uh, shipping large pallets and trucking than I ever have in the past three weeks. So it's, it's been a, a growth opportunity for all of us involved. Right. And so every day, every day is a little bit different. What, what type of hours do you think you've been keeping? Is there, is there time to sleep? Are, yeah. you, eating? Are you all right, my man? The first, <laughs> the first couple of weeks, you can probably tell from high school and college, I've put on some weight, so I'm eating just fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's not exclusive to no, you. The first couple of weeks, you know, it was, it was, 16, 18 hour days for, you know, a few weeks on end. But like I said, now we've gotten to where we've kind of got the pieces in place and things are starting to operate a little smoother. But like I said, there's hiccups every day. There's machinery that needs tweaking. There's uh, supplies that need picking up. There's a, a person that needs this HR concern addressed. Uh, there's uh, somebody who needs an order shipped to them tomorrow and inquiry. I mean, there's things across the board. So it, it, it's gotten to be a little bit more normal 
I think like everyone's life, we're all kind of looking toward the the new normal that we're probably about to get back into as things start to open back up. Um, but the first couple of weeks, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> right. Right. And so you kind of said from the beginning, kind of glossed over this point, but you know, you all have the the leather business Clayton and Kroom, and you all were looking at the scenario that we're all looking at and had to, you know, reduce hours with some of your employees and, and some of them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you know, reduce completely. So uh, it sounds like you've been able to hire back some of some of those people. Mm-hmm. I think that was, I mean, that's been the hardest thing in this whole situation is we saw the coronavirus, uh, the whole thing starting and beginning and Clay and I started to have those conversations about what that looked like for us. I mean, obviously we're, we're in retail, we make leather goods. That's non-essential when it comes down to it. Uh, and we have a retail store in downtown Louisville. And so, uh, the first step, I felt like we were a little ahead of the game. We closed our retail store when we realized that this was a concern just to keep people safe and the general public out of, you know, our, our shop. Um, we continued to operate our production facility for a little bit, but we were having those conversations about, what do we do? You know, we had people wearing masks while they were at work and staying distance before all of this was kind of implemented uh, by the governor. And then on a Friday, we finally just said, okay, like, you know, other things had started to shut down. People were starting to get concerned and we said, we need to get ahead of this. So we sent home uh, 15 to 18 people and laid them off. And at 29 years old, having had a business that's grown for the last eight years, that's like one of the hardest things we've ever had to do. I mean, I didn't sleep for three nights just thinking about that and worrying about the people that were, have worked for us for months or years. And, and sure. this is their sole source of income. Um, and so that was hard, but we knew it was the thing that we had to do. Uh, our salaried employees were all cut 30%. Clay and I suspended our salaries and we just were trying to make the decisions we needed to make so that we could have reliable uh, jobs available for people for the long term. And we just felt like this was something with, for the short term, everybody needed to suffer to get through this together. But uh, for the long term, we wanted to be able to come out of this stronger than we were before. So uh, to go from feeling that way on a Friday afternoon to the next week, calling everybody and saying we had a new opportunity if they wanted to get back to work and basically leaving people unemployed for less than four days. Uh, it felt good. <laughs> it, it was yeah. nice to, to be able to go back to our team and say, Hey, you know, we've got this thing going uh, and we want to give you this opportunity. And they were more than happy to, to jump on board and help make it happen. I can't imagine what type of minority you're in uh, as someone who during this time has been a net job creator, but it sounds like that's the case, right? You've, you've really expanded the team to, to get this production ramped up. Yeah. Right? 100, 180 people hired in the last two weeks. And that's, like I said, that's a, solely the effort of Alex and Jesse that do our hiring and HR. Uh, they've been champs. They've done a lot during this time. So, uh, yeah. and, and, it, and it's cool. It, it's good to see. Like, I, I feel awesome knowing that there's dollars flowing back in our city and our town that there's PPE going to our state as a result of this. It just feels like a win across the board for everybody. Yeah. And it kind of felt so hopeless when you, you know, hear these stories that we're trying to get what we need for our state and for our hospitals and for, you know, our frontline workers. And then, you know, there's, there's, you know, maybe New York does a, an order and they have obviously, uh, you know, a very exigent need for that stuff. So, Every, there's a lot of despair a few weeks ago. So what, 
and maybe this isn't the time for self-reflection, but I'm going to put you on the spot anyway. What, what makes you guys different? What makes you and your team different that you guys are the ones that stepped up and made this happen? What's, what's special about you? That's something that I've thought about this past week. And I don't, I don't like to think that there's anything special about us, but I think it does say something incredible that some of these people we've worked with for, for sourcing different components and, and helping us with our, our piecemeal cutting and, and things like that before the assembly all comes on to us. I mean, they're in the auto industry. They supply the likes of Toyota and Ford with hundreds of thousands of pieces per week of different gaskets. And I mean, companies with thousands of employees and multiple factories across the, the country or the world, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in annual revenue. And they haven't been able to string anything together significant. And so I just look at it as, you know, we've got this fiddly little leather shop in downtown Louisville. And we've been able to make a quarter of a million face shields in less than basically two weeks. And then you've got these huge players that can make such a difference that in some ways have been lagging behind. And that doesn't make sense to me. And But what I think what it comes down to is just that kind of, like small team, like underdog mentality, like people that are motivated and driven to make a difference. And and really, I think what it comes from is the way this whole project started was wanting to give back and caring about our community first and foremost. I mean, like I said, we, we donated shields and didn't never thought that we'd be in a position where we were making this many and employing people because of it. We just thought it would be Clay and I working for a week in our shop. But uh, I think coming out of, the gates with that type of uh, motivation is why we're driven to do it because we feel like we're doing it to get products to people that need it. And when you take some of these big corporate players, the, the first thought is uh, profit. And so if the profit doesn't make sense on the front end, they don't even fool with it. Right. Uh, but like I said, it, you know, we've been in the business eight years and we care about our customers and providing a good quality product. And I think that's what we're doing right now. And everybody believes in it. Uh, and a lot of the, we probably had 40 part-time workers that are dental students who uh, are out of school and they can't see patients. And so we have people that just want to get in and help, you know, they're in the medical community, they care, but they can't see patients right now. And so maybe this is their way of giving back. Yeah. And one, one other thing I know as a financial planner is a lot of these students who don't have an earnings history, they've kind of gotten left out of some of the some of the stimulus is going around. So they're in extra need. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of a perfect match for you guys, huh? Mm -hmm. So what, uh, you know, you said you have kind of had a crash course in all these logistical items. What, what do you think is your biggest kind of business takeaway uh, from the past couple of weeks of just really running with this? That's a tricky one, man. I haven't thought about that yet. I don't think I've had enough time to just sit back and reflect on it, but like you mentioned before, it's uh, maybe my biggest takeaway is when we didn't know what to do, we turned to what we knew how to do best and that's create. And so we've built a business on making products and creating products that we stand behind. And so when we came in our shop and we started prototyping these shields, I mean, it was putting our talents to use, which is making things, designing products and creating them. And that wasn't about making them to sell them. It wasn't about, um, you know, whatever you want to call it. It was just making something we thought people could use. And really and truly that's what we've been doing since we started making leather goods in our dorm room in college. We saw a need for something that wasn't there or something that people were fed up with and, and wanted better for. And, and that's what we saw here. So 
I, I don't know. I might have to comment back on that one more in a month or two to you. Maybe a year or two even. <laughs> Maybe a year or two. That's fine. I mean, I just think it's so special and I'm watching the financial media every day and they're talking about these big companies and the prospect of, you know, stimulus and bailout and, and a lot of the jobs in our economy obviously are there and those are kind of the, the low hanging fruit. But, you know, I feel like the really the breadth and the engine of our economy is small business and, and innovators mm -hmm. like you. And I think it's, it's clear that people like you have skin in the game and that gives that kind of little bit of extra motivation because uh, you're there in the community. You're, you're looking to help Kentucky and you've had the team that's been able to show the dedication to make this happen really overnight. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, like, like nothing else I've, I've heard about really across the country. So, uh, you know, we're good friends, but uh, I'm not blowing smoke just because I like you. You know, we're, we're so impressed with you and everybody <laughs> around here is proud and pulling for you. Uh, and you, you kind of told me off the record before we started, but I'm going to brag on you a little bit. You've had big demand from the state, but you're already getting a little bit ahead of the game on the demand. So you've already ramped up to kind of to, to meet yeah. the need from your first big order for the state, right? Yeah, like I said, I mean, our production efficiency improved uh, twofold in the first week and that's just a uh, after getting rolling and analyzing our processes and setting up lines and teaching people how to do it you know we, we were able to see a significant improvement so we're out producing daily what uh, we need to to fulfill this order of the state and so that's where we're able to provide to some other people that are in need i've had a lot of i mean i'm a dentist like i mentioned so a lot of people in the dental community uh, Office, a lot of offices are going to start opening up on Monday or the next two weeks at least, and people need to secure the proper PPE, and it's not available from our traditional suppliers. They're all out. I mean, you can't get face masks anywhere. Face shields are not a product that dentists use on a day-to-day -day basis, but they're going to be the new normal uh, moving forward, and so there's a lot of need out there, and it's something where you know our production is going to allow us to meet some of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I just – to, to kind of wrap it up, my thought for you is, uh, you know, I've always been impressed by you being a go-getter. And what I'm even more impressed, impressed now in this time is you have really, you know, kind of showed that servant leadership and led by example. You know, you guys went in looking to help a couple friends who needed some masks, and that turned into something really special that's going to be impactful for you know, way outside of your own circle. So uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm saying my thanks as a, you know, a citizen of Kentucky, and I'm sure that everybody listening mm -hmm. uh, feels the same. So we appreciate well, kind of telling your story and the work you're doing as well. Well, thank you for all the kind words. Um, it, it, it warms my heart to be a part of it. And I'm thankful to uh, feel like we're part of the solution instead of just being cooped up in our house for a month and waiting for it all to pass over. Hopefully this helps speed it along and maybe some of the nurses and physicians out there that have used these were better protect, protected than they would have been if we weren't spending our time doing this. Again, that was Dr. Tyler Jury, co-founder of Clayton and Croom in Louisville, Kentucky. Their face shields are actually live for sale direct to consumer at vanguardmedsupply.com. Uh, we're all thankful to have a local supplier to help protect our frontline medical personnel uh, and to get us ready to interact safely as we come closer uh, to that new normal that we discussed and we're all hoping for. Uh, now I'm going to kick it to my friend Stephanie Little, who has a fantastic guest on to give us a bit of a State of the Union 
on Kentucky nonprofits and to preview Kentucky Gives Day on May 12th. Take it away, Stephanie. Hi, everyone. This is Stephanie Little. I am a financial advisor at Ameriprise in Lexington and Louisville, Kentucky. Today, I am very fortunate to have Danielle Clore with me. She is the executive director and CEO of the Kentucky Nonprofit Network. So welcome, Danielle, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Stephanie. Really appreciate the opportunity. Wonderful. Well, first, what I wanted to start with today is I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about the Kentucky Nonprofit Network and what it does. Absolutely. Um, Kentucky Nonprofit Network started as an outreach program at the University of Kentucky, and then we spun off and incorporated our own 501c3, um, goodness, maybe eight or so years ago. Um, and so we are the State Association of Nonprofits. So as part of that work, we do a lot of advocacy on behalf of nonprofits, both in Frankfurt and in Washington, D.C. And then we also do all the traditional association functions um, of providing education and support to nonprofits, resources uh, to help them be most effective. And so during this COVID-19 crisis, um, excuse me, that's expanded beyond our members. Uh, we have over 750 members across Kentucky, but now um, we are interacting with thousands of nonprofits on a regular basis and just trying to be sure whether they're a KN member or not, uh, that they have access to all the resources and information that we want to get out there to organizations. Yeah, and what a wonderful resource for nonprofits to have, to be able to come to one central place, kind of get centralized information and you know, get information from you all about what is going on, how are other people effectively handling this, you know, just to, to have that common thread is such a wonderful re resource for them, especially right now. Absolutely. I think you're right about that. You know, um, a lot of what we do uh, or had been doing at KNN because we were statewide was online and via webinar anyway. So we were able to quickly shift gears um, and start working from home. You know, and now you wonder, do we ever need an office? Um, but um, actually we do, because I can't stay in this room much longer. But, <laughs> but um, you know, we were able to really shift gears quickly. And um, so many of the federal relief programs, you know, were thankfully because of advocacy and lobbying efforts available to nonprofits, but incredibly confusing. Um, so the bulk of our time since this crisis started has been helping nonprofits navigate that and understand what's available to them, what they qualify for, how to make good decisions about what's available to them, and then really support. Um, you know, what are other organizations doing? Some organizations are really struggling because they are to some extent on the front lines or not even necessarily on the front lines, but their demand for services has increased, but their revenue has not. So for right. example, you might think of like a residential children's home. Those kids may have gone off campus during the day to school. Well, now they're not. So those right. kind of organizations have an entirely new shift that they have to employ because the kids are not gone during the day and they're not getting any additional funds for that. So then you've got organizations who are truly shut down, arts organizations, for example, and they're trying to get creative and get online and do performances that way, which is great for them. And honestly, it's important to our sanity to be able to still enjoy those Absolutely. kinds of things. So it's trying to help organizations connect and get creative and innovative. And Kentucky's nonprofit sector is truly inspirational. They really are. I agree. And especially to handle everything that's getting thrown at them right now, I can't even imagine. You know, they're so needed 
in normal times and then we get thrown into kind of this crazy unusual time and to have to figure out how to handle it, how to get on top of it, how to still serve, you know, the population they're trying to serve is really to me so impressive that they're doing that right now. Um, if a nonprofit wanted to get in touch with you all or wanted some information, and like you said right now, whether they're a member or not, what would be your recommendation for how they could get some more information or reach out? Absolutely. Go to our website, which is uh, kynonprofits.org. And at the top of that website, you can join our email list. And that what we're doing regular emails, not necessarily daily, but typically at least every other day um, with information. And then we hold on Thursdays um, at 1030 a.m. virtual town hall meetings. Um, and those are free for anybody to hop on our call. Um, and we featured um, staff from Senator McConnell's office, folks from the Small Business Administration. Um, and, you know, so they're just a good, again, opportunity for folks to share various announcements and news and to, again, try to navigate this entire crisis. So, uh, but yeah, folks are not familiar with us, hop on the web. We have an entire um, page dedicated to resources for nonprofits around COVID-19 and it's everything from governance and fundraising and public policy. Um, and so the easiest way is to click on that join um, our email list button and we will start uh, communicating with them. That's wonderful. Thank you. I think that would be a great resource for them during this time. You have already alluded to this a little bit, but from what you have seen, how have Kentucky nonprofits been affected during this kind of challenging and different time and including changes to their volunteers and donations? Yeah, it's been, um, you know, I think organizations and nonprofits are just so unique. Um, so again, some folks are seeing actual increase in services that, you know, there's a, an increased demand. Um, others are not seeing that at all. Others are seeing donations come in as a result of, you know, their mission, for example, God's Pantry Food Bank, for example. Um, and then others are really struggling because they had to cancel fundraising events or cancel conferences that provide revenue for them. So uh, that's been a challenge. And then it's funny you mentioned volunteerism because um, we kept hearing that among a number of organizations who were saying, okay, we still have clients that need volunteer support or we as an organization still need volunteers and we've got to figure out how to do that <laughs> virtually because that need hasn't gone away we just can't do it in person and so um, we're going to be launching um, hopefully next week a series on that um, to help organizations through that and to arrange some calls so again they can share information about how to do that and then um, on may 12th um, we will hold kentucky gives day which is um, an eighth annual event. We were having it anyway. Um, and so this year it's become really critical uh, because again, so many organizations have had to cancel various fundraising events. So Kentucky Gives Day is a 24 hour statewide online day of giving. Um, nonprofits are still eligible to sign up for that and they can do that through the 20th. Uh, so I'm not sure when this will air, but uh, they will be able to do that through the 20th. And um, this year, it's really cool, um, Giving Tuesday, which some folks may be familiar with. It's a fundraising day, the Thursday after Thanksgiving, kind of as a kickoff to the giving season, uh, and also ran volunteerism and generosity is holding an event this year called Giving Tuesday Now um, on the 5th of May, which is going to be a fantastic seven-day kickoff prior to Kentucky Gives Day. So we're really excited to help organizations really celebrate their volunteers, their donors, their staff who are really working so hard right now in a variety of different ways um, during this seven day countdown. And then we wanna drive as many Kentuckians as possible um, to the site, which is kygives.org. 
uh, to make it just a powerful day of action and philanthropy and volunteerism to support nonprofits all across Kentucky who desperately uh, need support to continue their services. And then I don't know if you know this, Stephanie, but um, the nonprofit sector is the fourth largest private sector industry in Kentucky. Uh, wow. non yeah, nonprofits employ 10% of Kentucky's workforce. It's like $7.5 billion in annual wages. So they're more than charity. Uh, and so they need to be employing their staff at this time too. Yes, absolutely. No, I had no idea it was quite that large of a sector. I mean, I knew it was huge, but that to put it in numbers is really kind of eye-opening. And for the Kentucky Gives Day, I know you mentioned um, when nonprofits can sign up for that. And for people who are listening who maybe don't work for a nonprofit, but they want to give, can they just go out to the website on that day and donate? And how does that work? Absolutely, they can. And, and in fairness, that's why it's open now. We went ahead and opened it early, and we're going to keep it open through May 31st, just to be sure that so many organizations now have online giving capabilities, which in fairness is why we launched this event eight years ago, uh, to help organizations kind of shift into um, expanding online giving as an option. But we realized some still don't, so we went ahead and opened the site so that folks could take donations now. Um, and so people can get online and donate. You know, we're encouraging the organizations. They each have a profile um, on the website, so you can search by where geographically what organizations you're interested in, um, type of our organization, and then each organization has a profile page, and we are encouraging them to include volunteer opportunities as well as their donations that they need. Um, so people can do that at any time between now and the end of May, uh, but definitely we do want to make the 12th the big splash. Um, we'll have prize for nonprofits throughout the day um, and so we're really looking forward to a really fun opportunity for them to kind of relax a little bit <laughs> you know absolutely and it sort of takes the fundraising pressure off of them that you guys have set this up so I think that's wonderful and I'm going to throw a plug in there as well that I know a lot of people are receiving um, stimulus money and a lot of people need it so if you need it please use it for what you need it for please get yourself through this time but if anybody has extra even if it's only five dollars extra ten dollars yeah. extra if you have extra that would be a great opportunity to go on and do that um, campaign for the Kentucky Gifts Day so I love yeah. that you all are doing that and I think that's extremely helpful I agree. And, you know, it's funny that you say that because, you know, in the CARES Act, there is a new charitable giving incentive. Now we're working and lobbying to increase it because uh, we think 300 is not nearly enough. Uh, and we'd like to see it apply back retroactive to, so folks could use it on their 2019 returns. But but that's there is that additional tax incentive. And you're absolutely right. If folks um, do have additional money, I mean, what we're trying to help people realize is some of your most favorite causes are really on the line. They're on the brink here. And so envision um, life without the arts performances that you love or the camp that your kid loves to go you know, to, to in the summer um, or the environmental organization that taught you how to compost. You know, I mean, there are just so many fantastic nonprofits and all of them are worthy of support. And we're really excited to celebrate this on the 12th, May 12th. Absolutely. And just to follow up on what you said on that, um, the tax um, deduction that came out in the CARES Act, if I understand correctly, and um, of course, everybody check with your CPA and your tax person, but I believe even if you don't itemize, if you give, I think up to, you can give as much as you want, but you can deduct up to $300, even if you don't itemize on your 2020 tax return. So if you're already a giving person, this might be a good time to give. And then even if you don't qualify to itemize, you can at least take that extra $300 deduction. 
you're absolutely right. And it's 300 per person. So that's 600 per household. Um, and again, it is, you're right, it's for people who don't itemize. So um, for folks who typically take the standard deduction, and that is so many more people than it used to be. Um, and then there are incentives for people who do itemize. Um, they're, uh, I think they've removed the percentage of adjusted gross income. So there are some incentives. And again, it's our hope that we get those <laughs> expanded um, as soon as possible. That's part of one of our, our federal lobbying efforts right now. Absolutely. Um, so I also was curious how you have seen, and I know you've already alluded to this a little as well, but how have you seen Kentucky nonprofits kind of stepping up and serving their communities during this time? Because, you know, I don't think the need has shrunk. And in fact, I think it's probably gotten bigger in a lot of areas. And, you know, there's a lot of kids, like you said, that now aren't going to school that are, you know, need, needing extra services. So how have you seen the nonprofits stepping up and serving their communities? Yeah, as I said, they're just incredibly innovative. I think just by nature, nonprofits have to be because sometimes we're operating on a shoestring or um, our revenue sources are not always as predictable as we'd like. So innovation is kind of in, and entrepreneurship is kind of ingrained in nonprofits, uh, but they've really done some extraordinary things. And just seeing organizations partner with one another, um, shift to be providing, you know, for example, performances online, um, shifting to telehealth. Uh, you know, there are so many things that, on a positive note, we have been able to do as a sector and, frankly, as a society as a result of this pandemic. And uh, we've been talking among some of our members, especially around the policy aspect of it, what of those things do we want to be sure we keep? <laughs> you know, telehealth and, you know, is something folks have wanted to do for a long time, you know, and now they're able to provide some of those services this way. And so how can we maintain that uh, post COVID-19? So, um, you know, just we think, well, I think you look at Food Chain has been an, a fantastic example of an organization who really shifted um, and started feeding folks. Um, very, very rapidly and partnering with other organizations to, uh, to do it, especially um, when Fayette County Public Schools, you know, had to stop their uh, food service delivery. So just lots of fantastic organizations and, and we're eager um, to bring it back to Kentucky Gives Day for folks to learn more about all of those awesome stories and causes. Um, I suspect it's going to be hard for people to make choices because there's some really fantastic things happening out there. That's wonderful. Yeah, I feel like I've always, you know, you know, your nonprofits are wonderful and you know, they serve your community, but to be going through this really challenging time and them having to, like you said, be innovative and figure it out and they have less volunteers and they might have less donations or like you said, some of their big fundraisers have had to be canceled and the fact that they are being innovative and still serving the communities that they need to serve is just amazing and I think they deserve um, all of our respect, and if you have extra, um, extra money to give, I think they definitely deserve some help during this time. Um, if there are anybody, any, I'm sorry, if there are any citizens of Kentucky who need help during this time, are most nonprofits still up and running and functioning, and do you have any recommendations for how people should reach out to get help if they need it? Yeah, you know, most organizations um, that provide services to our most vulnerable or most needy absolutely are up and running. And those are the folks who've had to really um, shift gears quickly uh, to be sure that folks were being well taken care of. And, and again, they've really done a fantastic and amazing job. And then there are lots of local fundraising efforts. I know the Bluegrass Community Foundation has its fund and they've been trying to raise money to get it to nonprofits, especially the 
frontline folks who are serving these um, individuals and families you mentioned uh, to get it in their hands as quickly as possible. And, and similar efforts are happening, happening regionally. Louisville has an effort, Northern Kentucky, I think Eastern Kentucky does as well. So, uh, so that's really inspiring to see. Um, and, you know, I think 211, which is the United Way um, effort, um, folks can dial 211 and they're doing amazing work to connect people with the resources that they need. So that's a real, that's probably the easiest way for folks. Um, if they don't already have um, a relationship with a nonprofit or a service provider, that's the way to do it because um, I think you're seeing this, unfortunately, of people who used to be donors and volunteers now need the very services that they used to support. Um, okay. And so that I'm sure is really humbling and challenging for those folks. So, but yeah, I would say 211 is the best uh, avenue for folks to connect to services that they need. Yeah, that's great advice. And that's easy to remember. It doesn't require, you know, going out and searching for anything. It doesn't nope, require- Don't have to get online. No. Yeah, call 211 if you don't know who to get in touch with and they can help you out. And you know, another thing, Stephanie, um, that I almost forgot, we actually featured this on one of our town hall calls. Um, there are various um, neighbor helping neighbor or mutual aid um, efforts popping up around the state. And I know Lexington has one as well. And um, they're interesting in that, you know, people get on Facebook or contact those folks. And I think it's Lexington Mutual Aid on Facebook. Um, and, you know, you see things like, you know, I need a toddler bed. I mean, you know, just, and these are folks who just can't afford it and they've got a child hopping out of the crib. I remember what that was like and it's not safe and they're not sure what to do. Um, or something as simple as I'm, I have an elderly neighbor and they just need someone to call them every day to make mm -hmm. sure that they're okay. And so those are the kinds of things you don't need a nonprofit to do. You know, they're just ways. And I think ultimately that's going to be um, probably one of the greatest challenges for all of us, um, not as necessarily nonprofits or for-profits or you know as human beings is how can we connect with neighbors both those we know and those we don't um, to really help them through this time and so I encourage folks to check that effort out I know in other communities it's a little more sophisticated I think in Louisville they have a fancy website and they're doing it that way and you know I mean it's it's um, I remember the person who's hosting that site telling me, you know, someone posted on there, I can't feed my family tonight and the food bank is closed and what do I do? And somebody sent that family a pizza. I mean, it's, it's a simple, I mean, those seem like, I mean, those are very simple acts, but that family ate dinner that night. So it's yeah. very, very powerful. Yeah, I agree. And I think you're right that it is hard, you know, whether you are in the nonprofit industry or you're just a neighbor and you don't know what your neighbors need and you feel like you can't go knock on their door right now because we can't all be too close to each other. So that's a great opportunity to maybe just check in on your neighbors, check in on your you know, local community and see, is there an immediate need and is it something that I could maybe help with? I think that's wonderful. And on that kind of same note, and probably the most important question from me today is what can the community do to help nonprofits during this difficult time? And then just based on what you've seen in your opinion, what do you think nonprofits need the most right now? Well, definitely donations. Uh, we've talked about that part. And I think volunteers, but recognizing that volunteerism is going to look differently and your favorite cause um, may not know what their volunteer strategy is right now, but hopefully they're going to figure it out soon. And, and hopefully you're still communicating and hearing with them. Um, I think, um, you know, to circle back to that neighbor helping neighbor, it alleviates some stress for them if, if folks are getting support from 
their neighbors and not everyone relying entirely on the nonprofit sector. Because again, some folks, some organizations are completely overwhelmed. Um, and I think the other piece is, is around the advocacy effort. Um, and again, just as I'm sharing with you and every legislator I share it with and talk about that nonprofits are employers and they're vital to Kentucky's economy, they're vital to our quality of life. Um, you know, healthy, happy, thriving communities are where businesses want to locate. And that doesn't happen without nonprofits. So, you know, if you as a citizen are aware of the vital importance of the sector, both as a service provider and as an employer, um, then you're able to more, you know, better articulate to your legislators or to your employer or, you know, your company, et cetera. Uh, hey, nonprofits need to be at the table when we're having these conversations. When we pass relief bills, nonprofits need to be included. Um, tax credits work for nonprofits on payroll, but they don't um, because nonprofits don't pay corporate income taxes, you know. So those are the kinds of things that, again, it's not like folks are trying to slight nonprofits, but many people don't understand how nonprofits are structured. And so I I'm hopeful that we've got a major educational effort here um, that really helps people better understand how nonprofits are businesses, but they're different kind of businesses. And we want to be sure that any relief um, is available to the sector as well. And so far, we're, we're making great progress. Um, a lot of organizations have already received um, some of their federal loans, just like some small businesses in the um, payroll uh, protection program. So that's all good news. So I think just engaging and supporting, and let me say, even on Kentucky Gives Day, if you cannot make a donation, spreading the word on social media is incredibly powerful. Um, you know, and same thing, if you see your nonprofit favorite charity on social media is having a fundraising campaign, if you can't give, share the message. If you can give and share the message, that's good too. But I think helping get the word out about Kentucky Gives Day, about various causes, is another great, easy, simple, feel-good thing that folks can do. Absolutely, and that's such a good point that if, if right now you're financial situation because a lot of people are in really tough financial situations right now and they might be listening to this and thinking oh but I can't give right now that's that's okay take make sure you take care of yourself but that's such a good idea share it on social media promote your favorite nonprofit even if you can't give to them just promoting them on social media or mentioning them to your friends it's such a good way to help out in such an easy way and quick way that you can help out that's a wonderful idea yeah, and I, and I hope folks will follow um, Kentucky Gives on Facebook and it's KY Gives on Twitter. Um, and so we're, you know, sharing messages about that event and sharing stories of our members. And so we hope folks will follow and check that out. And again, if you have a favorite cause and you've not been following on, them on social media, it's a great thing to do because it's a, it's a really cool way for you to, uh, not even cool, but important way for you to find out how they're doing right now. Absolutely. And maybe even find out if you can't go in person and volunteer, you know, if they come up with some other ways that you can help out uh, virtually or things you could do at home. It's a way what for you to stay. Yeah. yeah. What are they needing? And it's a way for you to stay up to date with what they need. So I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So and I, I was going to tell you when you're and this is an, an innovation. One of our members actually um, reached out to us a couple of weeks ago and said, uh, we have a staff person who handles events. Well, we're not having any events. Can we loan right. her to you? Would you, could she volunteer for you? And we'll still keep paying her. Well, I mean, after I cried, because it was really one of the most generous things. I mean, we put her to work. Um, right. And so, I, you know, I, I don't know that that's happening a lot, but I suspect it is um, because organizations want to keep people employed. 
sometimes that's tough because of the very nature of their work. Um, mm -hmm. And then you've got people who are sitting at home who were like, okay, I, I saw a great meme that was like, I finished Netflix. I mean, there's <laughs> only so much you can do, right? I mean, it, right. It's, you know, so we have really appreciated having that professional volunteer on our team. And I think we may see more organizations who look for that. So I think that's an important thing that some folks may be able to do right now, may have an expertise, area of expertise um, that they could help organizations with. And, and so that's kind of similar to the social media push. Yes, absolutely. And it's, you know, it just speaks again to the heart of how innovative nonprofits are. And it's like you said, it's at their nature. They have to be based on, you know, the unknowns that are so involved in their business. And I think it's amazing that they saw that opportunity of like, hey, we can't use this person, but maybe somebody else could. And like you said, there's probably people sitting at home who have a expertise or, a, you know, something special that they could do that they don't even know how to be using it right now. So I think it speaks to the importance of, you know, social media and being informed and checking in on your favorite nonprofits. Um, so I think that's a great idea. All right. Well, before I let you go today, I want to mention a couple things again. So you were with the Kentucky Nonprofit Network. So if people are interested in that or any nonprofits want some information or want to see what you all are doing, they can go out to your website. Um, there's a lots of contact information on there as well. And then I want to throw out there again, uh, you said May 12th is the Kentucky Gives Day. And will you um, say that website one more time for us? Yeah, so um, our website is kynonprofits.org, and Kentucky Gives Day's website is kygives.org. And you can link to both of those uh, from each other. So if you find your way to one, you can find the other. Wonderful. Well, Danielle, thank you so, so much for your time today. This has been great. It's been so informative. I hope everybody enjoys listening to it, and I hope everybody goes out and helps any nonprofit that you can. Um, I would love for everybody to be involved on Kentucky Gives Day, whether it's donating that day or sharing. Thank you again for your time and um, stay safe and healthy. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. Thanks.